Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, is Tell Del Tuesday, and I have a wonderful guest for us. In fact, it's a guest that's been on many times. I would be, however, remiss to not have him on many, many more times. Why is that, Dell? Why, if we've heard his story? Because of multiple reasons, the first of which his story is one of the most inspiring stories that I've ever heard. Number two, it's one of the most educational stories about how the American family system works, how the American educational system doesn't work, uh, and or doesn't work very effectively. And it's also a study in growth. Uh, this individual's story goes on and on and on. And every time we have him on, he's done more things, accomplished more things and given back in more ways. So the intro for me now could be a Babylon of hours of how he became successful real estate investor at an earlier age than anyone in Lifestyles Unlimited. He then went on to become the Apartment Association president at a younger age than anyone. He's now gone on and moved on to be in all type of political scenarios and at the same time operating many, many apartment complexes. During all that time as a young lad, he got married, has two kids, a great family, and he's very strong religiously. How do you fit all that in when some people get up in the morning and they have a hard time putting their shoes on and getting to work and just punching a clock? Real hard to understand until you meet this individual, then you realize this is a special person, and that's why I have him on over and over again, and I'll probably keep having him on as long as he's willing to come in and share his story. So with no further ado, let me introduce to you Mr. John Boriak from Houston, Texas. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be back. Your uh, intro's too long, John. There's too many things <laughs> to say about you. Uh, but yet, like I said, I would be remiss if we didn't start at the beginning with the socially uh, disruptive pattern that your father and you chose as to homeschool, raise his kids with his wife, create a great family, and then allow you to have the option that I'm going to have you share the story about in just a second here. Um, it's, it's powerful, John, and I want you to tell the story because it's powerful in that in this whole country where everybody is looking for a handout, everybody is looking for an entitlement, your dad just put you on the path of righteousness and let you go. I don't even think he kicked you in the butt. I think he just let you go, wound you up, and you took off. So go ahead and share your story of how you ended up being one of the youngest real estate investors at Lifestyles Unlimited ever. 
Yeah, I appreciate that that intro. Yeah, by uh, I had awesome parents, as you mentioned, growing up. My mom and dad uh, homeschooled me and my four younger siblings. And then um, when we graduated high school, uh, there was kind of look at the landscape and, and we're kind of the one of the earlier ones to say, like, man, college may not be the best option for everybody. Like, the, if you look at it almost on a spreadsheet perspective, it doesn't have the greatest returns sometimes. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. And so they really presented me with an option of like, hey, if you want to go do that traditional American route, go for it. That's fine. Or another option may be you could take this money we saved up for your college and use it as seed money to start a business with. And that sounded more attractive to me. I didn't especially love studying. And so I was blessed in a family that obviously they thought outside the box. Um, my father's self-employed, runs a business that my grandfather started back in the 70s. And so we had some business acumen in our family, but no real estate experience at all. But the industry had always been intriguing. And so we um, kind of stumbled upon lifestyles and pretty quickly realized it was a great setup to um, really give us a, a, a fast-track education and fast-track um, on-ramp into this fantastic industry. And so um, that's kind of where how we got plugged in initially. We did single family for a year. This was in 2007, 2008. And so that, those obviously played out pretty well and then moved into multifamily. And I, I ran a small um, apartment complex in a not fantastic area of the town for about four years between the ages of uh, about 18, 19, and uh, 23 and um, you, during that time, just learned so much about the business, um, about just running a business, how to lead people, how to um, talk to contractors, talk to investors. And I was going to all the education that Lifestyles had to offer at this time, and they could just immediately turn around and implement it in this um, apartment complex that I was running. And, um, and so the members at Lifestyles, the mentors at Lifestyles, everybody was so willing to share information and open up their book and take me under their wing. And I, I used it. I called them somebody almost every day with a question, new question that came up um, as I was running this business. And then at the age of uh, 24, I got married. And um, about a, a, week, <laughs> a week after I got married, we closed. I closed on my first, what I'm going to call, larger apartment deal as a syndicator or a lead investor. Meaning, I got some people to invest in this deal with me, and we were able to buy 200 units, and that really launched um, what I'm going to call Veritas Equity Manager, the launch date of my company, Veritas, and my journey as a as a business owner rather than a self-employed individual. So I was able to then you know, had a little more flexible schedule, lead a team, and focus more on working on the business than in the business um, from that point on. And then I've repeated that model um, five more times. So now we have six properties in, um, in between 2012 and now. We have six properties, about 1,522 units. And, uh, man, what an incredible journey it's been. We're just so blessed and, and to have so much help from so many different people. So, John, I am... Um... I know that your father didn't do this uh, with the intention to make money from it, but I've spoke with your father uh, many times when you weren't around, and uh, he admitted to me privately that he made millions from this. So when you talk about getting out that spreadsheet and looking at the return on investment, 
that monies that he let you use to get started in business not only pro- produce for you a long-term uh, result of being a millionaire at a young age before you're even 30 years of age. I'm sure you were a millionaire, and I'm sure you're probably much more than that now, but I won't even bother to ask you that because I know you're very, very uh, shy and private. But besides that, your father made millions. So return on investment-wise is is really a good thing. Uh, I can't help but think how many parents would be happy that, you know, after they spent a couple hundred grand or more on their kid's college education, the kid, you know, learns how to do professional tiddlywinks or something uh, that they're not a little, you know, despondent that, hey, you know, what did I waste all that money for? So that's good. That's a good thing. Another thing that struck me about what you just said there was the four-year process. And, you know, I always think of it because it went by so fast. I always think of it like, okay, yeah, John did the little small apartment complex, and then he jumped right into things and just rock and roll. I didn't really ever put to the fact that you're at that small apartment complex there fighting it every day, actually through a bad time of uh, an ec- bad economic situation, too. We were going through a recession, and you were doing that uh, for four years, and that struck me as, hey, I guess you really did go to college, huh? That's a four-year college education right there. And can you imagine what college would be like if every business you went into you actually went into business and even whether, you know, they used to have internships for medical people and stuff. And I don't know if they do that anymore, but you had a heck of an internship, but you, your mentors. And that was the other thing that got me. These were grown adults, 40, 50, 60 year old men you were calling on and women and you were calling on them and they, they were giving you this information just like you were a grown adult. So. Wow. With me today is Mr. John Boriak, famous Mr. John Boriak, as in the youngest real estate investor in Houston or in the Lifestyles Unlimited uh, group to uh, end up with 1,522 units, the youngest guy to become the president of the Houston Apartment Association. Uh, he's now president of the TAA, the Texas Apartment Association's IROC program, which is independent real estate investors, which is what we are. We're the independents, not the group ones. Uh, his story just goes on and on and on. Uh, John, I want to ask you a question. I, I, I didn't set you up for this one. I didn't let you know I was going to ask this question, and I've never asked it before, but I want to hear your heartfelt feeling here. Um, for people out there raising their kids, right, what, and I want to hear this not so much to give your your family credit for it, okay, although that's what I'm doing, but I want other people to hear what they need to do so they can have the results that your family's had with all of its children, which the stories are all great. What would you say that your father contributed, and as importantly, your mother's past now. We don't talk about her much. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings that I bring her up, but what did she contribute uh, to the your success today. Can you separate the two? Have you ever thought that out just a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I have no, no problem talking about it. My, my mother passed away from uh, breast cancer in 2017, <laughs> and that was a that was a huge loss, you know, to our family. She was the she was the, the passion in the family. She really united us. Um, she she brought she fostered the the. The, the, the communication and a lot of the um, yeah just, just the, the fire that made our family so much fun and then uh, my father was the, the 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 foundation the cornerstone um, and just just 
um, had lots of incredible um, advice and wisdom for us, and uh, we we still cherish all the time we get with him, uh, which is which is great. I live you know ten minutes away from him now. We see him often, and so um, I can I can think back to our family growing up as one where there was just incredible um, safety and security, um, very very tight knit, um, and then a sense of a larger purpose than ourselves. And I mean by that is, you know, none of us saw what we were doing in this silo or as a self-serving feat. Uh, we were part of a larger story. Um, we were we were one thread in a tapestry that was being uh, woven by the Lord, and and how he the the, the the task was to find out you know, what was our part in God's story and how was He going to use us as a family, and then each one of us individually as members in our, our different lives. And so that strong sense of identity and that strong sense of purpose, if I had to boil it down to two foundational principles, I think, would, uh, is what really fueled and, and characterized a lot of the decisions we made as a family, and then has continued to fuel and characterize our individual families, mine and my siblings, as we, uh, as we grow and, and um, you know, build our, our own families with our own legacies. How old are your children now? I have three, an eight-year-old, a five-year-old, and a three-year-old. They are awesome. Wow. <laughs> they grow so fast. You know, I never really even appreciated children when I first had my child. Uh, and it wasn't until we now we're into the grandchild stage and the puppies. The puppies make me realize what I should have treated my kids like. You know what I mean? It's the fact that the, the unlimited unwavering love and attention and affection and constant attention, by the way, not just partial, constant attention. So, but uh, that's why it's curious to me because there's a lot of people right now in lifestyles trying to create that generational uh, success. And I see it happening out there. We'll move on and uh, let's move to, well, uh, let's keep it short on this one, but we'll use the rest of the segment on it. And that is, you give back in a lot of different ways, and you feel that's really important to you. So you, you've given back to the apartment association, the TAA. You've given back to the church. You've done uh, international, um, oh, I forgot what you call it, where you go out and, on trips. And, and mission trips, yeah. Mission trips and stuff. Um, you, you just keep giving. How do you fit that in when everybody else has a hard time getting out of bed in the morning and, you know, they're... Their employees don't come to work on time. They don't do the job right. They're problematic. They want to they get sick. They get thrown in jail. How do you get through all of that, John, and still have time to give back? Well, you know, the great thing about this industry, and, and you can set up um, the business in such a way that everybody feels that sense of purpose, that sense of identity, and that sense of reason for, for getting up in the morning. And it's a lot more than just earning a paycheck. They're part of the family. They're part of the community. And so, you know, the progression of a real estate investor goes from being, you know, the, the, we talked about the self-employed phase where I was you know, running that 50 unit for four years. And I was, you know, I was opening an office and doing a lot of the work hands-on. And then I grew into a business owner where I was had a more and more flexible schedule because I was leading a team of people that were running the business. And I got to work more on the business than in the business day to day. Started to build a little wealth, and now I've moved into a, a phase that I would call um, an, an impact maker. And so, as, as my as my role now 
um, I'm able to leverage the influence that I have for the benefits of others, which is providing good jobs for people in our in our business, providing clean, safe, functional, beneficial homes for our families. Where we don't just provide them a roof over their head, but we want to care for them holistically and look after their kids with different supplemental programs we have and, and treat them as people, not not just a wheel and a machine, and really look at everything I have through I'm going to call it a steward mindset. You know, everything I have, I've been given, and I've been given stewardship of, you know, governorship of, and I'll be held accountable someday to how I stewarded the many blessings and the many responsibilities and the many roles that I have. And so um, when you really see life through that, it's not – it's not a, I'm not trying to build it for myself. I'm not trying to make a certain amount of money. I'm not trying to live in a certain house, um, but really – the the mindset of being a steward of the blessings and the opportunities that I've been given and a responsibility to leverage those for the benefit of others, that fuels everything I do in our family, my personal life, and trickles down into my business as well. And you know, we have several different values about as as leaders, we're servant leaders. We're our goal is to see everybody else achieve the their highest potential and achieve the most they can. And that really um changes the mindset a lot from what is most beneficial for me to how do I how do I help the most other people get what they want like like you said and when you do that everything else trickles down to you and so man when you when you change your your values and your mindset like that it just it trickles down into every other aspect of your life and your business and and um, is extremely rewarding, and I can just see the Lord using um, all you know, my family, me, our our employees to just move things in an incredible way that is just inc- so motivating to continue to continue fighting and and continue improving and getting better every day. You know, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back with John Boriak and the Del Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Successful Lifestyles Unlimited member retires in 10 months. The hardest part for me was to drop off my son, go to a job that I absolutely hated for five years, but know that that was a sacrifice that I needed to make, and then only be able to get to spend two hours with him after school before he had to go back to bed. So that's why once we started and we joined Lifestyles, we said, okay, we have a roadmap. We know what we're gonna do. And then a month later, we find out we're pregnant with baby number two, and we're like, okay, we gotta kick it up a notch. So that's how we were able to Purchase four different properties and um, replace in 10 months. Replace my income in 10 months so that whenever I finish maternity leave, I didn't have to go back to work. I think a, I think a couple weeks before she baby came out is when we closed on a fourplex, and that was enough for her not to have to go back to work. Are you ready for your roadmap to real estate retirement? Attend the online free workshop just like Carolina did. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. 
Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today with me on Tell Dell Tuesday is John Boriak out of Houston, Texas. John, if you haven't already met him, has 1,522 units. He started at 18 years of age. He's done multiple apartment complexes, like I said, 1,522 units. Um, he's been the youngest uh, member to accomplish what he's accomplished with lifestyles, the youngest president of the Houston Apartment Association, and he's now uh, the president of the IROC Committee on the Texas Apartment Association. He's been the National Apartment Association's IRO Investor of the Year, and he's had the National Apartment Association's Property of the Year Award. So he's done everything you can possibly do in this industry, and we're very lucky to have him here to share stuff with us. John, I'm going to ask you a really tough question right now, and I'm going to try to set it up for you so that it doesn't sound like sour grapes. Um, And hopefully you can come back with your quick wisdom that you always have. There's a person we both know, and this person believed that, you know, you need to take care of your employees. And at first glance, it would have sounded like the same story you're using. He used the term familia. He bought his employees automobiles. He paid their down payment on their houses, and it was almost like he adopted some of his top echelon employees, and they went everywhere with him like an entourage. And I told him, I said, look, this isn't going to work. The way you're doing this, it's going to end up in disaster. Uh, Employees have to be employees first with massive respect and, and, and boundaries, but you can't treat them like family. And so it sounds counter to what you're saying, but I don't think we're really that far apart because I've kept my employees for a long time. You know, my employees have been with me for years, 10, 15 years is about average for me. So the the point is this guy ended up losing all those people. For some reason, they attached themselves believing they should get what he has, that if I'm family, I should end up with what you own. Uh, they went away, and when they went away, he lost all his upper echelon staff, just started hiring outside willy-nilly, started thinking, okay, now I'll be an boss. And, and so he swung from being this super nice guy to being this high-powered boss that would hire everybody and, and do it all corporate-wise and whatever, and he, he lost it all. And he's had to give that business up and go into doing something else. He can't do what he was doing any longer effectively enough for him to want to keep that business. You know who I'm talking about. You know the story. But what I want to get out of this is that, okay, that didn't work. How is that different than what you do, John? Split those hairs for us, please, because a lot of people hearing you taking care of your employees and caring about your employees is going to make them want to go out. I've seen it a hundred times, John, where they start trying to adopt employees as family members. Share with me where we're wrong on this. Yeah, you can. It's a it's a it's a tightrope to walk, but also like a super rewarding one and a very impactful one. So I've got I've got some fantastic team members that um, there's no part of my business that don't have. There are fingerprints all over it. This is a team sport. It is not an individual sport. Mm-hmm. But uh, something I've learned with, uh, especially with my involvement at the Apartment Association, is, is um, you know, there's really three areas, I would say, we focus on at Veritas to make our jobs, jobs that are inspiring to people, that they love coming to, and, and that keeps the team members around. And the first thing, and maybe a lot of people would say the most important, but I would say the first thing is there have to be objective scorecard metrics by which 
the team members are measured by. They have to know if I work hard and do really well at my job, there's going to be a scorecard somewhere that the boss sees and is and, and shown there. And so it's not about me just just being a good people person and playing office politics. Like there's a scorecard that is being routinely evaluated where my efforts show up. And so everybody in our organization has one to five trackable objective numbers that show if they're getting a job done or not. And then we give them the autonomy and the authority to achieve those those um, objectives. You know, our, our on-site managers at our apartments have way more decision-making authority than is normal in our industry because we trust them to run the business like their own, and we want to give them the tools that they need to achieve their goals and hit their scorecard numbers, and then they get rewarded for adding that value. And, you know, we, when we look at, um, at raises and promotions, um, it's not about necessarily just how long you've been with the company or, or your seniority. It's like what added value have you given to the organization, and we can look on a scorecard and see that. So that's the first thing is objective scorecard metrics. The second thing is people need to be known and cared for by their leaders. They have to, their leaders they have to know – my boss doesn't see me just as somebody that shows up and turns some wheels. They know me as a person, and they know my family. So we do a ton of monthly team events for all of our employees and all of our team members, and we'll encourage them, bring their families to the picnic. We'll rent out a movie theater. Bring your whole, bring all your kids and everything to the movie theater. We'll go watch a kid's movie. And we talk all the time about our very first company value is priorities, and we prioritize God first, family second, and work third. And so that means things like we're never open on a Sunday. That's family and church time. We're, you know, we, uh, we give extra time off um, after you've been with the company for a year to go volunteer at nonprofits or, or, or um, your church or wherever you want to. And then we just, we, it's, it's kind of weird. We discourage working late and staying at the office past closing time because you need to be home, be with your family. That, that may achieve some short-term results, but it's, you're going to burn out. Um, we give paternity leave. We have um, some some work from home um, options for people, and so just really valuing that family time that people can get. And then lastly, remember, first thing is people objective scorecard metrics. Second thing, being known and cared for by their leaders. And the third piece is people need to know that what they do for work is having a positive impact on others. They're making a positive impact in their community, the people that they can touch. So our residents. Our investors and our team members are our three focal points, and people know when they get up and they show up to work at Veritas, um, they're providing a good home for people and a good home for the kids that live at our, at our communities that not just has a roof over their head but actually cares about them as a person. And we're going to bring in um, the different programs to pour into the kids and sports camps, and we're going to treat you like a human and not just a, a wheel and a machine. And then they meet our investors. They know the people they're working with, working for, and then they feel supported and encouraged by their team members and really, really feel part of that family and understanding that you know, every apartment is not just a unit number, it's a home. So you can deliver those three elements, the object, objective scorecard metrics, being known and cared for by your leaders, and then providing the ability um, to, for a purpose of having a positive impact on others by what you do, it can create some incredible team member retention and a very special company culture that we're very proud of and spent a long time cultivating. Well, the story of the the individual that I was talking about, he did most of those. He had the metrics. I know that. I really feel like he cared about his employees. Um, 
the only thing I thought that he did was he 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 gave them monetarily things that didn't coordinate with job credit. So I don't know, you know, if uh, if that had anything to do with it. There was another uh, member we have that you would know. It's a female who actually tried to make her supervisors partners in her deals and her managers of her apartments partners in the deal. And I poo-pooed that too. You're not giving ownership in your deals to these guys, are you? I am actually, yeah. I have, there's, there's our VP of operations has an opportunity to have ownership in the deals. Um, we have several executive members who have a profit sharing or when they, they get a portion of distributions. And I also give our employees the opportunity to invest in the deals if they have some savings and they want to invest in the deals that would normally be only be open to investors with enormous amounts of money. I carve out a little piece of ownership to give them um, that sense of pride and that sense of ownership and control over their life. And so it's a slippery slope, and it has to be done very, very carefully with the with only with the the right person. That like the you know, illustrations you brought up, it can go wrong a hundred different ways. Um, but when done right, it can create an incredible sense of, of ownership and um, and care about the business and real and feeling like they're really part of the team and um, have a have a place here they're cared for and and we're looking out for their future as well yeah I had um I've always seen problems in those type of arrangements uh, and one of the problems is is that the monetary benefit uh, that you get from having a small ownership in something like this is so actually minuscule compared to hey Pay me more money I can see on the table today. It's kind of the the argument that the Democrats, the problem the Democrats are having right now is that, hey, whatever it is they said they did that really benefits the future of our society, uh, people going home right now can't afford bread. With me here today on Tell Dell, Tuesday is John Boriak. John Boriak, if you have not met him so far, uh, is the owner of 1,522 units. He's the youngest Lifestyles member to ever become a uh, apartment owner and the first and the youngest person to become the president of the Houston Apartment Association. Uh, he's also a National Apartment Association Independent Owner of the Year and owns the one of the properties that won the National Apartment Association Property of the Year. And... If you've been listening, there's even more. I don't want to go into it all again. John, as we come to this last segment here, I'm going to change the direction of the conversation. You, you've shown and shared with everybody your, your philosophies of management and operation and em, employment and family, raising your family and giving back and fitting into society. Let's talk about that uh, string of the tapestry. You know, you're the, you're the thread in a tapestry of life. How do you see yourself, your wife, your family? Uh, maybe it's a generational look-see of what you think you're going to do and then your kids are going to do. Um, or maybe you're, you're only looking to your older age. How do you see yourself fitting into this giant tapestry and specifically about business, what what more do you want to accomplish in business so that you can feel like John has done what John was put here to do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think about a lot. You know, in the in the the measurable short term, you are we want to keep keep growing our business, keep buying properties, and and uh, keep spreading our impact. Um, I now I don't think I want to get much bigger than about. 
double what I am now. So, you know, somewhere around 3,000 units is probably our ceiling that we're going to shoot for right now. Because that size, you can um, still have an incredible life and be able to keep a lot of the aspects of our company culture and how we run things um, intact in and be able to run to that size. Uh, you mentioned a few other examples of people who started out with some great intentions and then um, imploded or just things didn't pan out maybe as they would have, as they originally thought, they grew out of that. Um, and so some of that is because, um, you know, there's been times when I've made a money, a goal, or a dollar amount, a goal, and that turned out to be a, a pretty bad God, a pretty bad goal. That's, that is not fulfilling, and, um, and it's, it's not, uh, not rewarding enough. And then there's been other times when you know, we, I will, I've got to settle in on what the plan is and make sure my team is the right team to get me there. And with that 3,000-unit kind of ceiling, I think we've got a really fantastic team in place that we'll continue to build on, but I don't see us having to scrap everything and bring in a different type of leader or a different type of, of team and executives to get us there. And so that's kind of the, the, the short-term uh, vision goal. But then longer term, which is way more important, I hope that me and my family and my company are able to um, just be an, an incredible instrument of impact into people's lives from you know, the, the company from a housing standpoint. I hope we can be an example of uh, not just not just running these businesses to make a buck, but also running them on how to impact a lot of people's lives. And so in addition to just providing um, you know a home or a roof over somebody's head, we working hard to do things like after-school kids programs and summer lunch programs and sports camps and um, tutoring and ESL classes and finance training and things like that that I think will have an incredible impact. And then my family and our community are just continually looking to find people that are looking for um, you know some, some, some guidance or some examples of how to build businesses like this, how to raise their families um, in the you know, in a way that honors the Lord and provides that long-term stability and, and that we're always looking at ways to get more involved with nonprofits, more involved with our church. You know, I serve on several different boards and want to continue to do that and just you know, leverage, like I said earlier, leverage the opportunities I've been given and be a good steward of all the opportunities and blessings that the Lord has given me and, and pat, you know, impart that to my kids in sense of we don't chase a dollar and it's not about money, it's about how can we just be the, the best stewards of the incredible blessings we've been given and, and respond and be responsible for those? As you look back now, in your early 30s, I believe, um, as you look back, what what age would you recommend people start looking into this? I mean, it was a unique opportunity for you because your dad's entrepreneurial to think about entrepreneurialism at 18 years of age. Just in general, what what would you tell people about getting their kids the opportunity and or should they motivate them to look into this or leave them alone and hope they look into this? I mean, because you had other brothers and sisters besides you. You have your kids. What, what do you see coming from being out of, the, out of a good family structure? What do you see as far as helping your kids look into this kind of stuff? Well, I think you know, establishing as much um, control over your time and your life as possible from an early age is, is a fantastic goal. And so there's not really, you know, a, a number of an age. Okay, now it's time to start doing this. I think real, uh, at least some level of real estate investments should be 
part of everybody's portfolio, everybody's investment plan. And you're right, you know, I'm of my five, four siblings, I'm the oldest of five. Um, nobody else has chosen to make a full time career out of this, but all of them have have expressed interest in um, doing some kind of real estate investing and buying some some rent homes. And um, I. My next brother down is I think he has four or five rent homes now, and everybody wants to to have have this as a piece of their of their plan because um, it's it's obvious the, the the benefits that it provides, and um, so I don't you know and and aside from a more um, holistic standpoint or you know seeing the the forest through the trees, um, being able to make your kids feel like they are not alone to figure their life out is huge. And there's a fine balance of not being overimposing, but also giving them that sense of purpose and identity and, and getting that, that um, guidance that they need to discover their true potential and what area in life and industry and business they can best flourish in. John, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate sharing your story as always and a hundred times more hope in the future. The rest of you out there, remember this, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.